Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Today is Thursday, June 9th. We are 85 days to kick off with Auburn, and life is good. Uh, this is your host, Nick Tully. I'm joined here today by uh, my co-host, Ben Welty. How's it going, Ben? Uh, not too bad. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Um, our third amigo, Cody Fowler, cannot join us. Do you know what he's up to, Ben? Uh, yeah, he's uh, at home playing house. He's got some uh, guests coming in this weekend, so he's doing some cleaning. But um, I think that's a convenient excuse, because um, hmm. it's really convenient for him not to be here after all the bin bashing that went on during the last episode when I wasn't here. Um, and now I'm here to defend myself, and he's not around. So I see how it goes, Cody. I see how it goes. For those who may not recall our last podcast, I think it was like three weeks ago, something like that. Um we laid into Ben a little bit for his orange-tinted glasses, homerific takes. In certain perspectives, you'll you'll generally defend Clemson above all else, now, is what we were thinking. I, I would disagree with that. I mean, yes, I have a passion for Clemson, uh, all things Clemson, but I like to think that I keep I do have some perspective. I mean, listen, I predicted Clemson football would go, what, like 11-2 and two last year, and I believe that we all on this uh, podcast predicted that they go 11-2. and two. Mm-hmm. Um, That's not... Homerific to me, I don't think. I mean, I'm right in line with you guys, so um, you know it is what it is. I, yeah, I, I mean, I think we all bring a healthy amount of skepticism and kind of pro Clemson leanings, you know, to the respective conversations we have. And a lot of times, we'll all try to take like devil's advocate to each other's takes. So um, we try to stay objective. Now, there, there's always going to be a Clemson lean. That's just how it is. You know, we're gonna. Right. You know, see things a little bit orange tinted at, oh. at times, but you know that's how it goes. And not all of us. Fans. Not all of us were enrolled at University of South Carolina, like Cody. Oh, oh speaking of that, so I've, now that I can kind of uh, take some time to poke some fun at Cody here. Speaking of his attendance at South Carolina, um, you know he has another allegiance. We've talked about this before on the, on the podcast. Um, so Memorial Day weekend, uh, we're up in Guerneville, uh uh, friend vacation. Uh, it's it's hour north of San Francisco. Hour right? north of San Francisco. Um, San Francisco. You know the Bay Area is more than San Francisco. It's got some great places, especially up uh, north along the coast. Guerneville is one of those. It's in the mountains uh, that kind of are in between the Pacific Ocean and uh, Sonoma Valley. Um, great little spot. I suggest you go up there um, if you're ever out here. Um, so we're up there you know, celebrating Memorial Day weekend. It's Sunday. Clemson is in the ACC baseball championship game. Uh, we're on a rain delay, and so we head to the store uh, to go get some steaks to grill out later that night and some beer. And we're out uh, at the store, and this lady looks at us. She's like, oh, did y'all guys, did y'all go to Clemson? I look down. I'm wearing my Clemson sh- shirt. Our buddy Vince uh, is wearing his Clemson shirt. You know, we're showing Clemson pride on that the day of the ACC championship game. We look at Cody, he's in a Duke shirt. Like, what the hell is he thinking? So, we're out here representing Hartford Clemson. We don't know what Cody's doing. He still has his Duke uh, allegiances. Now, we can't completely blame him because when he grew up, Clemson wasn't any good at basketball. So, speaking of being a homer, bandwagon fan, um, Hmm. still has a little bit of a Duke lean, I guess. But, you know, come on, man. 
playing don't have to the, wear the shirt. Playing in the ACC championship <laughs> game. Show show your true colors. Exactly. Um, well, Cody's missed. Um, we may bring his name up again, <laughs> ongoing throughout this episode. But um, I've made it a point to get three digs in at him on right, this episode. Let's count that as one. So I guess. that's one. We've right, got cool. two more to go. We'll see how right, how we'll, they come. We'll out. keep you true to that. Um, so this episode, you know, we're early part of June, eighty-five days till kickoff. Cannot wait for that. Um, in, in Clemson land at the moment, we've got, and we can touch on this later in the show. Um, Dabo's hosting one of his summer camps. He has high school students on campus. Um, no real revelations there for the type of attendees we've got um, in terms of who we're targeting in future recruiting classes, uh, but we will definitely keep an eye on that and see if any of that changes. Um, clearly, there's a lot of satellite camp chatter happening right now you know, across college football, so um, we're keeping a close eye on that generally. But um, really right now, it's about recapping the Clemson baseball season for us. Um, as everyone knows, Clemson won the ACC, very unexpected result from the year, um, and went on to not only host a regional, but receive a national seed, um, meaning, you know, one of the one of the top marquee, I believe, eight schools? Yeah, top uh, eight. Uh, there's eight national seeds. We were the seventh. We snuck in there as the seventh national seed. So, you know, f- tremendous outcome in terms of what set us up for postseason play. Um, went through the ACC tournament. What an exciting run. We had, you know, some comeback wins, some walk-offs, tons of offense, tons of home runs. Um, the ACC tournament leading up to Clemson hosting a regional. Um, fortunately, you know, started off a little shaky against Western Carolina um, and then had an explosive, I believe it was the third inning, um, to just run away with that game 24 to 10 um, in the opening round of the regional um, hosted by Clemson, only to fall Saturday to Oklahoma State, come back Sunday, beat Western despite crazy rain delays um, at Doug Kinsmore Stadium. And then to fall in the nightcap um, to Oklahoma State, thereby ending their season. But um, you know, kind of a, a somber end to what has been really a terrific year, a terrific debut season for Monty Lee. Uh, ben, I would say among the three of us, you followed this team the most aggressively this year. And um, you know, maybe I'll give you the mic at the moment in a moment here. You know, talk to us about your parting thoughts on the season, but maybe start out with the the, the finish to the year. Well, it it was a disappointing finish, but to be honest with you, the regional was the really only disappointing part about this season. Um, But listen, the fact of the matter is uh, Oklahoma State was the best pitching team and best fielding team in that regional, and that's plain and simple why they won it. Hitting is only going to carry you so far, and it showed in that regional, and there's a reason why Oklahoma State won. Uh, And listen, the pitching wasn't even really that bad. I mean, it's a lot of the, the defense that puts the pitchers in bad situations, and it's not just... Yeah, you, you know, extend innings. You know, you're gonna put their best, bring their best hitters back up. Exactly, and and even some down. earned runs can be attributed to errors uh, sometimes. And listen, it's not just the the fielders. The pitchers made errors themselves as well. So um, we knew it was gonna come back to bite us in the butt at some point. You know, it was a magical season. Um, the fact that we even, you know, I called it in our uh, kind of last ep that I was on uh, a couple weeks left in the season that I still thought we had a shot to get a regional. I never thought we would have snuck in there um, as a top eight national seed. Like, that was absolutely amazing. Like, the magical end of the season, um, 
We finished so strong, winning two or three over FSU in North Carolina State. We swept Notre Dame. And then to go into that ACC tournament and beating Virginia, Louisville, Wake Forest, and then blowing out, absolutely annihilating FSU to win the ACC championship. I mean, how fantastic was that? I want to equate this a little bit just so everyone gets a perspective on what a national seed means. That's like in basketball, Clemson coming into the ACC tourney. Like, you know, let's say we're in the, the top five or six, you know, maybe even four teams in our conference blaze through that schedule and end up with a, what amounts to a two seed in the NCAA tournament where they take the top eight teams. Well, and correct. I mean, in, in kind of equating to how it works in baseball, it's like the top four number one seeds uh, and, and then how they rank those. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a, a, un- unbelievable. Like, nobody would have predicted that would have happened. Like, the, the run at the end of the year and how much fun was that? It's so much fun watching this baseball team all year long. We had that mid-year slump where we lost... I got swept um, by Louisville, Miami, lost two or three to Duke, lost two or three to Georgia Tech. Uh, so there was a kind of downturn there, but you know what? The team bounced back. You know, they started hitting again. Uh, we got some uh, clutch pitching out of uh, Clay Schmidt, um, Barnes, uh, Eubanks pitched well, then obviously we know what Crawl can do. Um, so really a fantastic season. We won the series, uh, the season series against South Carolina. Lost only one midweek game all year long. That was huge. Incredible, incredible first year for for Monty Lee. Errors aside, like this was such a fantastic season and really fun to watch. And how motivated are we all now to get back out there and see this team play again next year? I mean, yeah, this is a very, very young team. We have a lot of guys coming back. I mean, we get Seth Beer for two more years. Uh, Chris Oakley, Oki, most likely gone to the draft. The draft, the Major League Baseball draft, is actually going right now. Um, they're at pick 34. Uh, I don't expect him to go in the first round, um, but he hasn't been drafted yet. Um, you know, there's some other guys that we hear uh, may end up going. We'll see what happens with Crawl. Um, if he goes high, I think Monty Lee talked a little bit about Weston Wilson possibly going. Um, even Eli White, which surprised me a little bit given his. Uh, kind of lackluster defensive performance this year. Now, to his credit, he really came on and hit the ball really well at the end of the year after being served in the two spot in the lineup. Um, so he was a big part of why this team played so well. But again, a lot to look forward to. Um, you know, obviously, Beer's a sophomore. You know, we'll have Pinder coming back. Hopefully, Wilson. Reed Rollman is going to be a redshirt junior. He'll be back. Um, Andrew Cox. And a lot of people forget how well Andrew Cox played before he broke his foot. At the beginning of the year, he was batting over 300. Um, Chris Williams coming back. He's likely to start as our catcher next year. And then we saw great flashes out of Green and Bryant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, s- s- Jolly had a little bit of down year this year, but he hit well last year. So, I mean, that's just the position players. Pitchers, I look for those to be a lot better next year. Um, Schmidt and Andrews are going to graduate. I thought Andrews pitched really well, especially at the end of the year. But we'll get Eubanks, Barnes, Bostic, Schnell, Higginbotham. You know, he went down. He got some good starts this year until he went down with an arm injury. Riley Gilliam has a very live arm. Didn't pitch a lot this year, but I think he's going to be a big part of this pitching staff next year. And then Crawford and Pab, not not to mention the other guys that they have coming in um, and a couple guys that redshirted this uh, year. So, listen, again, great first season. And a lot of this has to do, uh, it falls squarely on Monty Lee. The credit goes to him. Obviously the players, obviously a lot to Seth Beer, but Monty Lee for sure. And in the kind of wake and aftermath of our loss, unfortunately, on Sunday night, um, a lot of pieces came out from some of the Clemson media and the writers talking about Monty Lee's process this year of coming in and 
Um, sometimes you'll hear about coaches wanting to come in and make waves and kind of set up, like take a look at what's been happening and really come in and implement their their system, their protocols, everything else. And I think the takeaway here with Monty Lee was, no, like you guys are all super talented. You know what you need to be doing. You know, this is a winning program. You know, it's been down a couple of years leading into his tenure, but you know, he, he largely looked at what the guys had to bring and was about making them better and taking kind of a humble coach approach to this. And, um, well, they had know. a fight in them right. this year. And that's what we didn't see under Jack Leggett, not to bash Jack Leggett, because listen, those players love Jack Leggett. They did. They really did. And, and when, when he was let go, a lot of them weren't happy. Uh, it was really us as the fans that were wanting him out of there. And I think rightfully so, because I think it, it his tenure kind of had run its course and we had started seeing a downturn and part of that aligns with the resurgence of South Carolina baseball. They won two national championships right. under Ray Tanner. So obviously that doesn't uh, bode well for uh, for Jack Leggett. But listen, Monty Lee took uh, the majority of these same players, plus, plus Seth Beer, um, and turned them into a 40-plus win team in a national seat. Listen, this team did not hit as well this year. They did have more power. But their average was, I think, ended up right about the same, if not less, than last year. They did not pitch as well. ERA wasn't as good. And they certainly did not field as well. Still ACC champs. They're winning games. They found ways to win. They like 20-something comebacks this yeah. year. I mean, this team, the mental um, strength uh, that this team had, it, it was unbelievable. It's why they played so well. Well, and I think the, the midweek record you, you talked about, they lost one midweek game. I think that's reflected in... What, what he brought to the table, the amount of focus you know, that they took to games that they should be winning. I think that was a hallmark of kind of Leggett's last couple of years was they could probably get up for the Miami series in North Carolina's and Virginia's you know, and, and do their best or at least play to their ability with those guys. But losing those midweek games to the non-ACC kind of SOCON rivals or you know, even the you know, what other, whatever other conferences they play that are even less than the SOCON. Yeah, it's um, like it's the Tommy Bowden syndrome. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you look, Tommy Bowden lost the games that he wasn't uh, that he was supposed to win, and that's why he ultimately, uh, was, you know, got fired, got let go. Um, the same thing was happening with Jack Leggett. There were some very inexplicable losses last year. We had a losing record, I think, to SOCON teams or something like that last year. That that should never happen. Like your talent, even your backups, uh, your, um. You know, your non-weekend starting pitchers yeah. should be better still than the SoCon pitchers um, during the week. So, um, again, I related a lot to that. And then, you know, with Tommy Bowden, Dabo comes in there, lights a fire into the program. This is a very similar situation. I see Monty Lee doing the same exact thing, except Monty Lee is a seasoned, experienced coach, and that's a uh, head coach. And that's one thing that Dabo didn't have. And we saw what Dabo did. I hear a lot of the things that Monty Lee says says reminds me a lot of Dabo really excited about where this program's going the future is very bright for Clemson baseball and you haven't touched on yet I think the one of the um, contributing factors to this team's success this year was Monty Lee's approach to keeping on and plugging in the former coaching staff that was with Jack Leggett that opted to stay to stick around and, and stay with the team and I think that again provided kind of a a calming force with the players that were Jack Leggett's guys that stuck around. And I think that's how partially how he was able to, you know, right away make an impact and, and get some wins early season that just snowballed from there. Well, Bradley LaCroix, like that, that was a huge uh, keep for Monty Lee. I mean, what he was he, a finalist for the coaching job himself. 
right? Yeah, yeah. He was absolutely in there, and a lot of us thought he may get it. I mean, what he brings uh, with recruiting uh, is huge. Uh, great recruiter. And then also, a big part of why Seth Beer decided to still come to Clemson uh, was Bradley yeah, LaCroix. Retaining that, retaining that commitment made all the difference this year. Exactly. Um, so, but it's not just him. It's also, it's not guys that, that's, that Monty Lee kept that were already here. Uh, bring in Andrew C. as a pitching coach. Um, I think that was a good move. I think we did see the pitchers develop um, as the course of the year went along. Um, some of the young guys, you know, Barnes, Eubanks, they're both very young, and they started pitching. You know, we said at the beginning of the season, one thing that's going to have to happen um, if we're not going to play good defense is we're going to have to see these pitchers start to develop um, and get better as the season uh, went along, and we saw that. We saw Clay Schmidt, a senior, do that. And, again, first, and we haven't said this a lot this year, huge shout-out to, to Schmidt. Mm. You know, this kid missed last season overcoming cancer. Uh and to come back and do what he did this year, um, the gutsy performance he had, pr- performances he had at the end of the year were absolutely amazing. So kudos to him. Yeah, I mean, he was pitching over the weekend, um, the telecast, which I thought the telecast was, announcers did a great job. That was really the first time, you know, I caught a couple of games here and there streaming. That was really, I loved how ESPN showcased Doug Kinsmore Stadium. Um, what a beautiful facility and upgrade and renovation they did. But um, just talking about Clay Schmidt, he spent some time with John Lester, um, now with the Chicago Cubs, right. longtime Boston Red Sox pitcher. He himself um, battled and beat a form of cancer earlier in his career. Um, I don't know what's next for Clay Schmidt. Um, you know, he's graduating, right? And yeah, you know, we'll see how he if he can break into the minor leagues and you know continue his baseball career. Even if not, um, just a great story from him. And you know, like you said, what a gutty gutsy year he's a fighter and we saw that come through at the end of the year for sure so you know congrats to to him uh for his career at at clemson so happy uh that he chose to be a clemson tiger you know his brother uh uh pitched for uh, south carolina um but great perfect great story good great guy and glad to have him um you mentioned something too kind of going back to this regional thing about the the coverage and press that Clemson got by getting to host a regional, that's huge for recruiting. That's oh, yeah. another reason that run at the end of the year was so important. Um, well, how know. about that final game against um, Florida State, too? It, that was the game that would never end. I mean, that game I, took forever. How many, <laughs> where to where? I mean, it was about probably about a 10 hour ordeal. Um, and we never, I mean, we just kept scoring. Right. Insane. <laughs> um, um, so, I, yeah, all of that, all the all the exposure and coverage and kind of, you know, high profile nature of what happened over the last two to three weeks can only help. And I think when you talk about defense and you talk about trying to bolster that rotation and find those those weekend starters, hopefully you mentioned some names currently on the team, but from a recruiting standpoint, you know, this can only help Monty Lee, you know, be able to pitch to would be starters coming in as Absolutely. freshmen. You know, you can plug into a very potent offensive team um, and make a make an impact right away. Yeah, and you know, listen, we're always going to lose guys uh, to the major league draft. You know, that's going on right now, um, and you know, that's already happened today. Spencer Keyboom's brother, um, who was a committed to us, um, he got selected. Let's see, first round. right? He got selected in the first round. He was projected as a third baseman, a shortstop, and a pitcher, all of which we need. Um, so. 
Well, who yep. sees if he keeps that commitment? And, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing if you get drafted first round, you're you're taking the money. Yeah, that's. I, I think it's a no-brainer that he's going to leave and go. Um, you know, that being said, you know, we've, we've got, we talked about some redshirt guys. Um, Grant Cox, um, uh, he redshirted this year due to injury. Um, he projects as a middle infielder. Um, he can play some defense, which is, you know, something we sorely needed. I mean, the left side of the infield was defensively a disaster this year. And it, it was just really hard to watch. So get guys like that in. Um, again, Jake Higginbotham, who went down with an injury, if he can bounce back and pitch really well next year, because he got a lot of good of experience. I think he had seven starts this year or something like that. He'll be a sophomore. Um, yeah, so all these things come together. I mean, again, we did this with a lot of deficiencies this year, and we were still ACC champs. Right. You, you have to think certain aspects. There's, only, there's nowhere to go but up. Let's hope. Um, so Yeah, I mean, you said it, though. This team next year needs to improve the defense um, and improve pitching depth. Depth. I mean, those are the two things. I mean, listen, that regional series you saw how OSU dominated us because of pitching and defense. I mean, honestly, Seth Beer's great. I mean, he's phenomenal. Uh, first team All ACC, uh, ACC Player of the Year, ACC Rookie of the Year, first team All American, co freshman, co freshman of the year, nationally, uh, mm-hmm. nationally. Um, I mean, absolutely amazing. But cool last name. Yeah, great last name. Great talking point. Um, <laughs> He could certainly, though, stand to improve his defense. Uh, we might see him move to first I'd base. Say his arm, yeah, next year. Exactly. Um, but that being said, in that regional series against OSU, I would have traded Seth Beer for a shortstop who can field and a pitcher who can pitch as well as Seth Beer could hit. That would have been the difference, I think. So, obviously, great to have him without without a doubt. Well, it's something that we don't keep anywhere near as close an eye on as we do with football has to do with recruiting and where Clemson stands with, you know, how is our recruiting slate looking? How is the state of South Carolina where we draw heavily from where Monty Lee has a great brand, you know, with the, with the coaches, at the high school level, how are we looking for this year? Maybe that's something we can dig into, but I don't know if you've taken a look at that. Um, Clearly, you know, we'll probably try to draw from guys who are currently on campus already to bolster that, you know, bolster our team next year. But, you know, it's really all about if you lose would-be commits who come straight out of high school to the draft, like you mentioned, um, you know, that's tough. But what do you think? Anything, any recruiting nuggets you've, you've found? Yeah, not really. You know, we have several guys lined up for next year. We'll see who goes in the draft. But, yeah, re- baseball recruiting is not uh, not tracked nearly as well as right. anything else. I know it's we got this thing. kid from Somerville High School uh, uh, committed recently, uh, Sawyer Bridges. We had a right-handed pitcher, a third baseman. Um, name. Uh, Sawyer Bridges. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, but you know, we'll, we'll have to see how all this shakes out. Um, yep. it, it's hard to tell with baseball. Obviously we're not, uh, so who, who, who are we rooting for that's still in it? Term- in the tournament? Yeah. Well, we're rooting for OSU to beat South Carolina in the super regional, uh, without a doubt. Right. Um, other than that, my intention is turn to football season, especially football <laughs> season. Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, we won't spend any time talking about the NBA Finals here, but that's where my attention is still uh, lock-focused. But, um, yeah, football season's coming up. So any any parting thoughts, I guess, on baseball? Again, what a phenomenal year for this team. Great job, uh, Coach Monty Lee. Great job to the players and all the effort um, that, that they gave game in and game out this year. And this was 
such a huge success for this baseball team, and every Clemson fan should be excited and enthusiastic and pumped about going into next year. I, I've got this question, you know, uh, Clemson football is going to be uh, challenging for national championships over the next several years. I see the same thing happening in Clemson baseball. We'll talk about Clemson basketball here in a second, but we could see a strong push with Jerron Blossom game coming back. Uh, these transfers that Brad Brownell um, is bringing in, uh, new little John Coliseum, that's on the up and up. Men's soccer uh, just played in the national championship game. The golf team is playing really well. We could be entering the golden era of Clemson sports. Absolutely. I mean, I think even if you just touch on the top three programs, you know, baseball, basketball, football, um, I can't remember a time since I've been paying attention to Clemson athletics started when I was a freshman in 1998. Um, you know, and I, when I came to town, baseball was the marquee program. You know, Jack Leggett was really in his prime. You had kind of the Brad Rigby, Khalil Green years. You know, those guys were amazing. Um, football, Tommy Bowden started his era. Basketball was kind of the Shiat era. So, um, you know, occasionally making tournaments, but not making a big push. I think you know, let's definitely ch touch on basketball here. That's probably, if you if you think about it, um, you know, we on this podcast were talking about, should they extend should Brad Brownell's contractor, eliminate him and move on? And I think, you know, with, with what we saw with Jerome Blossom game sticking around. Anyway, I, I agree with you. I think we're potentially in a renaissance for Clemson Athletics. You know, hats off to Dan Rad. Hats off to, I think I see him as, he's, he's been very much like a, you know, hire the right coach and let that coach kind of, run their own show um and it's worked well um, and, and we'll see it'll really come down i mean he made a great a no-brainer hire in monty lee we'll see about his decision with brad bell now you know at the end of the basketball season i i did think there was a strong argument to be made about why he should go but the problem is with that we kind of had to wait to see until what jerron blossom game decided to do because if he leaves you can make the argument for just kind of wiping the slate clean starting uh from scratch but at as long as it takes, you know, the point that he can wait to until he has to make that decision, you can't fire a guy at that point. There's nobody out there um, that you can bring in to coach yeah, your team. You, you've missed the cycle of hiring, you know, your next best guy. So uh, there was definitely a point at which it was like, let's just run this thing back. Uh, I think it was a $5 million signing bonus buyout for Brad Brownell. But, um, and, and that, yeah, that factored into it um, as well. But listen, I mean, to give the guy credit, he is changing his recruiting philosophy. He's bringing in transfers, transfers who have NCAA experience, guys that are legitimately NCAA players, not bringing in high school players that we have to yeah, see how they shake out. Like, um, you know, like Gabe DeVoe, who we thought would be a lot better shooter at this point than he actually is. Um, so, you know, having him, you know, this was kind of the first year he had those transfers, you know, especially with Avery Holmes coming and actually get some playing time on the court. So the guys we have coming in next year, um, they're going to play uh, Shelton Mitchell from Vandy. Uh, you know, he's going to be our DeMontes Stitt type of uh, point guard that we haven't had in a while. Um, and then Elijah Thomas from Texas A&M. He'll come in in December, former five-star guy. Some questions uh, about his uh, work ethic, uh, but hopefully uh, Brad can, you know, get in his head and get that young man working. But again, former five-star big man, big-time scorer, that's huge. And then... Uh, well, and I think on this team, when you do have the influence of three what probably should be starting players coming in as transfers it's really important to establish a culture and an identity as a team 
And I think that is where bringing back Jerome Blossom game, you know, and I think that's the that's the biggest headline we're going to have Absolutely. in the offseason this year for Clemson basketball. Being able to establish that culture of a basketball team in a program, you know, Jerome Blossom game, whether or not he played this role as a junior, he was by far the best player on the team. Uh, but you are now the leader of this team. And you can set the tone and you can, you can, you know, provide a culture in that locker room where you got, you know, the transfers, we're happy to have you. You guys are talented. This is going to be good. But... This is how we do things. Yeah, absolutely. If okay, let's say Seth Beer equates well to Sammy Watkins coming in his freshman year and just you know knocking it out of the water, blowing everybody's socks off. Jerron Blossom came coming back equates to C.J. Spiller coming back for his senior year. I mean, what that is going to do to this basketball program? This could be a huge turning point for this basketball program. Like that puts us from having to wait and see how these new guys come in and respond and what this team can do next year to it will be a huge disappointment to absolutely everyone if we don't make the NCAA tournament well, next and also, year. And also, I mean, you expect, and knock on wood, that Jerron Blossom even could pick up where he left off. You know, he had, um, looking for the right adjective here, but, you know, astronomically high uh, statistics. And, know, and it clicked for him. It did. And, and you then, hope kind of as those guys get their footing in the offense and kind of the flow of the game with the team, you've got Blossom game to kind of like, you know, carry the load in the beginning of the season. Absolutely. Um I mean, so yeah, it's. I, I think it's going to be a huge turning point. I mean, this is going to be a, a a year where we we expect going in to make the NCAA tournament next year, and that doesn't right. happen a lot for Clemson basketball. But listen, it's not it's not just because of Jerome Blossom game. Listen, Dante Grantham is going to come in as a junior, a third year starter next year, and he should be greatly improved. So I, if if there's significant improvement from him, which there should be. That's going to be huge. Holmes should be improved as he kind of settles into playing in the ACC. Uh, City Jute uh, should be serviceable. Listen, I honestly, as I, I think Landry Noko is a good basketball player, but the fact that he could not stay on the court, I, I don't think there's a huge drop off there for us. Right. You see what Legend Roberton can do if he can make any improvement this year. Didn't get a lot of experience last year, but again, have Elijah Thomas in there in December to, to be the big man. And then we didn't talk about Marquise Reed, another transfer from Robert Morris. He was whatever, I think it's the Colonial Conference yep. uh, player, uh, rookie of the year, freshman of the year. Um, and Colonial Athletic Association, something like something that. Something like yeah, that. Right. And I think he had a pretty good uh, game in the NCAA tournament. Maybe they might even won a game, I think. Um so, yeah, I mean, how does Ty Hudson come along? You know, we'll see. Gabe DeVoe, I've kind of seen enough of him. I'm, unfortunately, I don't think that he's going to ever uh, develop. Well, he hit some key threes here and there in certain games and matchups. but um, his, I mean, at this yeah. point, like his, his percentage is so low and he was supposed to be a shooter. Right. I think you're going to see him get a lot less playing time next year. It's a very limited playing time you already got. Right. If I, so... A couple of things happened this last year. A lot of rule changes in, in NCAA, uh, which some felt that would, you know, to, they, they did these to speed up the game. Some felt that the style of play that Brad Brown Alex to coach his teams up on is about really slowing, slowing that down, you know, being a ball control team, those kind of things. I felt like they actually moved the ball quite well this year. Um, there were times where they looked like they were a competent offense. And, and then there were times yeah, where they looked like... with speed and pace, et cetera. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see... Second year of Avery Holmes, you know, Jerome Blossom gaming his thing, the transfers coming in. Like, do they, are they going to be the type of team to push pace against these ACC teams that probably do have a couple inches on Clemson players when you go up against, you know, the Syracuses of the world? Even I know Pitt hired a new coach. Um, Louisville, they're kind of a train wreck 
off the court. Uh, but they, you know, th- these teams will have potentially better athletes than Clemson. How can we punch above our weight class with style of play? Well, what Clemson has to do, and uh, you know, a lot of honestly, a lot of teams find themselves in this position if they're not your Dukes, North Carolinas, Kentuckys, and Kansases of the world. Um, you end up doing well if you've got an experienced roster. And again, Who that's anticipate one another. They communicate well. Yeah, and, um, and just have yeah. three or four years playing in the NCAA. Um, right. Listen, and that's again, that's where these transfers come into play. Like they have proven NCAA experience as opposed to being a high school kid coming in fresh. Um, so you know, we've seen Marquise Reed play. We've seen Shelton Mitchell play. Um, Elijah Thomas really, I don't even know if he played last year. Uh, maybe he did a few games. Um, but five-star. So we'll see what happened. Now, that being said, grain of salt. Uh, what's he his name? For Milton reason. Jennings was a McDonald's All-American. We saw how that turned out. <laughs> um, but still, I mean, well, again, looking yeah. up for Clemson basketball. I mean, this recruiting philosophy shift is smart. It's thinking outside of the box. Well, and it's how you can it's, – it's a way that you can build – a talented roster at a school like Clemson where you can't rely on getting five stars, McDonald's All-Americans, you know, guys winning state, that kind of thing. And it could help. I mean, listen, it's not necessarily going to be that way forever. I mean, you start getting some momentum and start playing well. Uh, you combine that with a new arena. You get a lottery pick next year with Jerron Blossom game. That shines a big light on the Clemson program. When you're already having success in football and you play in the ACC, that's enough for a kid to want to come to Clemson again, just like Dabo does. Get him to campus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, if the transfers don't work out, that's squarely on Brad Brownell. I mean, that's at least the one thing that we can say. That's the one uh, known in this. There'll be no more excuses. If they don't work out, then it's time to let them go. But I, I do think this is a huge opportunity for Clemson basketball, especially with Blossom Game coming back, to really turn this around and actually start having su- some success um, on the court. I think it's really easy for fans to say, you know, it's NCAA tournament or let's fire Brad Brownell. I think that's putting a little bit, that's being a little bit kind of short-sighted about what you're hoping to do as a basketball program, which is build sustainable long-term success with the players you've got and the ability to recruit new talent. Um, You know, an injury here or there could kind of throw a lot of this into the, you know, into into disarray. Absolutely. I like the easy ultimatum kind of thing, but I feel like it is about just can this team look like they're making progress and improvement? That Brad Brownell ha- is a leader and kind of has the locker room, if you will, like, you know, improving, assimilating these transfers in, um, you know, develop- developing players like Gabe DeVoe year to year. I mean, so there have some player development issues in my mind. There's been a couple guys that haven't come along that you can say, but uh, I'll give this to Brad Brownell and his teams. You don't see them laid down. Right. Like when they had, you know, a poor out of conference showing last year uh, to start the season. Then they get into ACC play, and what was it? Four Lost, ranked, like Minnesota and yeah. Alabama and a couple other teams. And, yeah. Then you get into ACC play, and what so it was like four ranked teams in a row we, yeah. we beat, and that team got hot and started playing really well and finished. I mean, every year they finished a lot higher in the ACC than anybody predicts them to. Right. Um, this team. These his teams fight for him. Um, he doesn't seem to lose them, so that is one positive uh, for Brad Brownell. And listen, we can we have to have realistic expectations. Like it is Clemson basketball we're talking about. There's not a, a strong history of it, but it's not to say that we can't be good in basketball. We're well, you, we're elite. Duke in, wasn't always Duke. 
Probably not until Coach K got there. 100%. And, um, you know, I'm not suggesting Brad Brownell will. Look, that's a great, you know. You got to start somewhere. Exactly. And I feel like he's got a formula. Let's see if it works this year. I'm looking for improvement. Listen, he's been successful period. everywhere else he's been. Uh, there's a reason why Clemson hired him. And it's uh, fair. But I think it is fair to expect, you know, NCAA title birth do some damage in the ACC. Um, but I do think we're going to need to show better in the out-of-conference. I'm not sure. I don't even know if schedules have been released. Well, right. Well, that's 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 the midweek baseball games. That's the yeah. Wake Forest of the world in football, right? That's the Tommy Bowden syndrome. That's what we have to get over. Um, yep. So, But I, it, it's possible. Listen, look, is Oklahoma known as a historical basketball powerhouse? I mean, I never they, watched I mean, Oklahoma. they've had a guy here and there over time. But. Spud Webb? Um, <laughs> Blake Griffin. Uh, yeah, but that, that's more recently. And right. was that under Long Kruger? Not sure. Okay. Well, like anyways, Long, ago, Long Kruger but... has come in and done a great job with that program. Yeah. And now Oklahoma is a quote unquote football powerhouse. I mean, you know, Bob Stutes and big games, notwithstanding. <laughs> um, but you know, they're they're up there in basketball too. So just what does Oklahoma have any business doing being good at basketball? Right. From the middle of the country, you know, sure. it's not a big urban area like in Chicago or up in New York or something like that, where a lot of the basketball powerhouses are. No, so why why not Clemson? Right, why not us? Is a good attitude to have, and I feel like the formula that, um, you know, let's say you know if Brad Brownell is not the guy, that's certainly a possibility. I, I don't know. I guess if I had to put my own projection on it, I'm I'm saying like seventy percent chance Brad Brownell is our head coach for the 2017-18 season, and I think he's you know I'm confident he'll figure it out. Can I see, say that I think that with this team we're going to win one NCAA champ, one NCAA championship game in whatever round and whatever seed we're going to be? I can't, but um, I think he figures it out. If he does not, I think we trust what Dan Rada has shown with giving Dabo the leash and the budget that he has to do what he's done with the football staff. You know, making the Monty Lee hire, etc. Um, I trust in Dan, Dan Rad in the athletic department. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear cut. If, if everybody stays healthy next year and they don't make the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. then you're out. I mean, I, I think that's an easy call because we didn't, what we lost from last year, we're more than making up for, especially with Boston Game coming back right. and the other guys being more experienced. Uh, so I, I think it's as simple as that. You don't make it, you're out of here. But that being said, I, I fully expect us to make it. I just don't see it not happening, barring injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, like I think you made a good point overall. As a Clemson Athletics fan, fan, I can't tell you the last time things have been as good as they have been. And there's hope, you know, springing eternal throughout all of our sports. Um, I think we can spend a minute here just talking about Jerome Blossom game and what he. I almost view this as you know he he made a commitment to coming back to Clemson. It can be you can look at it as self-serving. He felt he was a first-round pick. Maybe he didn't quite get that grade or that confidence or, you know, make a connection with a team that had a selection in the range that he was expecting to go. Because he showed well in, at the combine. Right. But I feel like part of this is also, I mean, you know, I'm super excited to get him back. And Did you, know, you see the press conference? Did you watch I didn't watch it, it at all? No. And it was um, just, it was heartwarming. I mean, right. it was just great to see this young man. Uh, talk about why he came back and like Brad Brunel just seemed giddy um, if not you know visually expressing on the outside you could tell he was on the inside and he mentioned it was like Christmas Day um, and he should feel that way I right. mean I, I think this is a huge pull I mean again this is like this is what you would consider he gets him a, a lease on, another lease on life basically yeah I mean this is what you, what you would consider bringing a five star 
McDonald's All-American one and done in, essentially. I mean, that's what you're getting. Even better than that because he has four years of experience. Right, with this team. So, um, awesome news. You know, welcome back, Blossom Game. I feel like, you know, this is this is your chance to shine and potentially be. Uh, it's been a while since we've had kind of a Clemson athlete show in the draft, uh, make a big impact on an NBA NBA roster. You know, Trevor Booker's in the league right now. KJ McDaniels is as well. Um those guys are certainly role players at this point. I don't expect Jerome Blossom game to be the next coming of Kevin Durant, but at the same time, um, you know, this is great. We've got a superstar player coming in. So. And I think he projects uh, to be better in the league than KJ McDaniels because he's more of an all-around player. And in fairness, I mean, I think KJ was taken by the, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers. He was picked up <laughs> by Daryl Morey in Houston as basically a trade chip for a future move that, Daryl Morey, Dork Elvis has not yet made, but um, I think KJ would have benefited from another year at Clemson, potentially moving up and um, absolutely getting drafted by more of a contender than like the second round Philadelphia pick. You know that being said, like the move he made with his contract was brilliant about uh, just kind of end up being a free agent after the first year because he ultimately made himself a lot more money. Now, right, it hasn't really worked out for him going to the Rockets, and it's not like that's a great team to play for with Harden and Dwight Howard there. Um, he spent a, a, some time, if not a good bit of time, in the D-League uh, this year, I do believe. Yeah, I think Mike D'Antoni, his style of play favors kind of a seven seconds or less offense. You know, it's just all about pace. It's going to be James Harden's team. I, I don't expect Dwight Howard to come back. So maybe that opens up room for KJ. I mean, there were some some games this season where he was the only thing going right on that team. And again, he came off the bench. He was probably like their eighth guy off the bench for that team, but... You know, KJ is looking good. Trevor Booker, I don't watch the Jazz too much. He's definitely a role player there. He's not a starter. But, um, you know, let's let's get one other guy in the league. But really exciting. To, we're going to see uh, Blossom Games senior year. Let's get a lottery pick. We haven't had one since uh, Sharon Wright. Sharon Wright uh, back in, uh, man, that was way back in 94. Crazy. Uh, for the 76ers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's get one in there. Let's, uh, again, it shines a huge like light on the on the basketball program and be able to say that you you did that and heck, we could have three Clemson basketball players playing in the NBA at the same time it's been a while since that's happened it's awesome I personally I mean I don't make it back for basketball games ever but um to be able to go check out a game at Little John might have to mix that into the schedule this year that's gonna be awesome too yeah, I plan on going back for the South Carolina game this year and that'll be right at um the start the start of basketball season, season. yeah exactly line check that, that out. Chris Oakey drafted in the second round the 43rd overall pick to the Cincinnati Reds. That's pretty high. That's damn near first round. Rebuilding team. I don't know who they have it, you know, in their catching roster at the moment down there. But, um, yeah, congrats, Chris Oakey. Breaking news. Absolutely. Congratulations to him. What a fantastic year he had uh, when they moved him to uh, Beard to third and him to fourth in the order. Um, he did a phenomenal job uh, protecting Seth Beard. So, um, really proud of uh, Chris. Uh, he was fire. You could tell uh, in, in this program, uh, like for this team, he he brought it uh, game in and game out. Um, I don't. That was just it. awesome when he hit that home run, following up on Beers last Friday, right that beginning, right out to the grand slam, putting a solo shot on it. I mean, that was a laser to left field. Handed that uh, sledgehammer right right, right off. <laughs> as soon as Beer got it, right back right right, right on to Oki. Right back to him. Awesome. Um, so, congratulations, Chris Oakey. You made Clemson proud. Um, best of luck to you uh, in the major leagues.
Cool. We've touched on baseball, basketball, um, not much to report as we said on the football front, but Ben, have you, you've been keeping track at all with this saga of satellite camps, Nick Saban, Jim Harbaugh going at it, um, you know, looked at Dabo's takes, anything like that? Well, first, uh, Saban versus Harbaugh, Harbaugh is quite intriguing. Um, I'm not very fond of either of them, um, and I didn't think anybody could make me uh, hate Nick Saban less, but Jim Harbaugh has come in and done that. Um, but it's really rich for these both of these guys to be kind of talking about the ethics of things and the fairness uh, in college football. Um, you know, I... I we're not going to go into specifics about these satellite camps because honestly, I don't have all the information of how they work. Um, but and they've been beaten to death too. Yeah, but there's a couple things that, uh, that that stick out to me that I'm curious about. Um, one, I the way the NCAA handled this to where it was allowed and it wasn't allowed, and then two weeks later they allow it again. Um, they're just incompetent. It's just another example of how incompetent the uh, the NCAA is at in managing the, the sport of football. Not only understanding what's needed and all the kind of factors at play, but do you have any confidence in their ability to police or Absolutely close not. loopholes or anything in, in, in any type of thing like this? I, yeah. Absolutely no not. I mean, they can't even police the simplest of things. Like when North Carolina gets like clearly busted for fake classes. I mean, has, has the punishment come out yet or is it going to fit the crime? There's been nothing really going Miami. on there. Nothing. Yeah, I mean. it, it, exactly. So, I mean, how, why are we supposed to believe the NCAA can actually do anything um, to uh, to police this? We don't. I mean, I have no confidence in that. Um, and think about the ethics. I mean, a team identifies a target, they go hold a satellite camp at their school. I mean, this is like, you can kind of see it like being the Wild West. Right. Anything goes. Absolutely. Uh, and, and then all the people, the associated people around college uh, are high school football athletes that that the are clingers on yeah that are in the their ear men. in their right. yeah the bagmen uh so you know that's that's my first concern uh the second you know Dabo has clearly come out and taken the stance that he's not interested at all in holding satellite camps um he their game plan is to get and this has worked it has been successful obviously is to get the kids onto Clemson's campus Dabo has shown uh, to be on the forefront and to be forward-thinking on a lot of things in college football recruiting. That's why he brings in uh, the high-caliber talent that he does. My question is, with his refusal to do this, do you think this could be a situation of kind of not keeping up in the times, where we're not on the yeah, leading, that, leading edge of something? Does that put us at a certain disadvantage? I mean, I think this is where I trust in Dabo's staff, and I trust in the process they've done to date. And, you know, I imagine it's been difficult to get certain guys from Florida up to campus, but our, you know, recruiting leads, our, our coaching staff, they're out there, they're going to Florida, they're, they're making the rounds. I mean, just because we don't go to them and host a big camp, um, it, maybe that can be construed as rolling out the red carpet. But I think when you make a categorical statement, like we're not doing this, but you're still, it's not like Dabo saying, I'm not leaving the state to go recruit. Right. He is. His coaching staff, they're out there. We're so killing it in Tennessee. We got the yeah, two best I, players in the state of Kansas I, last year. I don't personally think it matters. And for the type of player that's not going to, that would expect that, but isn't willing to, to you know, use one of his trips to go to Clemson, um, 
I'm not saying we don't want those guys, but I'd have to question a little bit their commitment to us. And, um, you know, certainly I, I got to believe that Dabo and his staff are, they're targeting the right guys. They're out there going after the right guys that we need to be targeting. I mean, we come to them as opposed to them having to come to us. So listen, it makes sense for a Michigan, a northern uh, northern Midwestern school. Yeah, they're recruiting that, Florida. Yeah, guys from Georgia. Florida, it's easy for them to drive around from Florida to Georgia to South Carolina to North Carolina to Tennessee I mean, to Alabama. States. Those are long-ass drives. I've done it myself, but still. But it's it easier is still there more, than Michigan. It is more yeah. compact. It's more right. feasible to drive to those. We hear about 12-hour drives from Florida um, coming to Dabo's camp. But yeah, Michigan's a completely different story. So it makes sense why they would want to be able to get into the kind of the rich talent hotbed of the south in college football not holding it against harbaugh and can't blame them one bit um what i will say about Dabo and clemson is so much of our brand so you know hashtag brand so much of what clemson offers students is wrapped up in the campus experience and the family atmosphere family atmosphere what Dabo has has really put into place but that always existed in clemson which is it is a special place where the university and football, the football program and the athletics department are such an ingrained experience. Um, not to mention the new facilities we're putting in. I mean, I just think bringing them to campus needs to be kind of the the closing hammer in the recruiting. Absolutely. I just think that you do have to keep an open mind, though. Sure. Because college football is constantly well, changing. You have to be a wait to keep thing up too. Like I, you know it. Strikes me on some levels, originally Dabo is like vilifying Twitter and for, you know, look at Clemson's social media program now. We're by far the marquee presence on, on social media when it comes to like just hyping up our guys and our plays and our replays and whatever. Clemson Google, Clemson's baby. killing it, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, Clemson Google being an information thing too. Um, you know, Dabo is adapting and I'm confident that they will. I agree with you. Let's see how satellite camps and the atmosphere in college football goes like you know let's say they not only allow it but set up some rules that some parameters that make this you know not kind of a loophole to all the recruiting visitation you know, you're allowed only a certain number of visits on campus but if a satellite camp comes to you does that count as an official visit i think yes we got to distrust the ncaa to get this right but we should also wait and see just in case they no, and, and I get that. I, I trust in Dabo and his staff. I've said this several times. And don't get me wrong here, Dabo's a, a young coach still. He's doing great. He is on the leading edge of things. And um, he is a innovator uh, in college football and college football recruiting. That being said, there are the Bobby Bowdens of the world, the Frank Beamers, the Joe Paternos. It doesn't last forever. Um, like, eventually you do fall behind if you're not keeping up with things. Um, I'm not saying it's going to happen in this case. I can honestly see the NCAA backtracking and after they see how these satellite camps are starting to, to work and pan out that they're just going to, they're going to nix them. Yeah. Or codify them in some way or, you know, uh, we'll see. But anyway, it college football is an ever changing atmosphere and we haven't talked yet about, I mean, how could ongoing legislation and, the discussion of paying players, you know, factor into all of this too. How about this rule? For every time Michigan holds a satellite camp in the South, uh, they also have to have all those kids there in January. In Michigan. In Ann Arbor. Mm. Yeah, did, did Rashawn Gary visit Michigan in the depths of winter? 
It's a good question. Rashawn Gary was from New Jersey. New Jersey. So so he's, that's no... he's a little used to the cold. But right. you know, a guy from Florida, a guy from Georgia, you know, a guy from Alabama. Right. Going up to Michigan. Reciprocal visits. Yes. I mean, snow sucks, people. Snow in the Midwest <laughs> really sucks. Like, the wind, the cold, like, it's a miserable time of year. You don't want to be there. Yep. Wind chill, yeah. below zero. Yes. No spring is not spring in the Midwest. It's still cold in March. It snows in April. You're having practice. Your spring game is not bright and sunny. Uh, on Maybe Ma- their spring game, like, two, two weeks later than ours. Yeah. Ohio State, Michigan. So... Anyway, um, that's all going on. Dabo's got his camp going on right now at Clemson. I believe we've got a 2017 target, a defensive end player. That's a critical position for us. Uh, Yes, we've got, you know, we're trying out War Daddy this year. We're trying some other guys out, but... Herring, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. So... Not not a lot of news coming out of the camp so far. We're hearing a lot of kids. You know, there are some guys that uh, have set some dates uh, here in July in the summer to... To make their decisions, we'll see what happens. But it's been well, quite I feel a- like these are the camps where you get the likes of a Hunter Renfro making their first contact with the team um, from a walk-on standpoint without scholarships. So you know it, they're not all a waste if we're not getting all of our five-star targets onto campus um, in general. And you know there's still a lot of time left, so um, we'll we'll keep a close eye on that. I feel like Cody's probably going to be you know coming back on the next episode with insights there yeah we'll check in with him he'll have an update um but yeah it is just it's interesting to read about everything that's going on just the hype around clemson football right now i mean kids know the brand you know you hear you heard about the kid that drove all the way from south dakota um to attend one of these camps kids know about the brand you know clemson football is huge right now and uh it's just really a fun time to be part of it again like i said mark my words golden age of clemson sports could be right now absolutely um i saw an article recently just talking about who are the what are the best bets right now if you were looking for some value gambling on the um in in vegas of course gambling on the ncaa football champion this coming season Uh, and you know people are talking about maybe there's some value in florida state maybe notre dame just because they might have an easier path getting in but Overall, Clemson's actually Alabama's. You know the the odds-on favorite at seven to one, and Clemson and Ohio State are just behind them at about basically seven and a half to one, fifteen to two odds. So, to just putting in perspective, to be right there with Alabama and Ohio State, the previous two national champions. I mean, really is the golden age in Clemson football. We're there, baby. Lots of expectations, but this is this know. is this is it. You can you can safely call us elite now like that's legitimate Davo has taken this football program to a place that I've never seen that you weren't you weren't old enough to remember nope um so six months old <laughs> yeah and I was negative three months right so um yeah no great great time and, and especially Clemson football I mean this is absolutely fantastic and, and everything's it's it's trending up Yep. It's only so, going to get better. I mean, I think in the grand picture, we said this before on the podcast, I mean, enjoy it. Let's let's embrace this time. You know, you stay hungry. We were both at the national championship game. That sucked. But, you know, have playing you, for titles. Have you been able to go back and watch that game yet? I got it on my DVR. I do too. I uh, haven't watched it. I have it. not. I, I will. I will probably do that, like, the week before the Auburn game. Um, but, yeah. 
I think I saw a highlight recently. Like someone, it was the first time I had actually seen like footage of the game. Um, it was the weird. It, it was the damn onside kick. I saw uh, footage. I forget what it was, but I'll had probably look away. I'll probably watch it right before we play Alabama in the national championship game next year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> seems seems like a good time Just to, to get do yourself. That. You got to be drunk, I think, when you do that. <laughs> but um, cool. Well, I, uh, before we go, um, normally we talk about the beer we're drinking. So. What are you working with over there? Um, I'm a big fan of Dogfish Shed. You know, it is an East Coast beer IPA that I, it, you know, Delaware. Dog... Is that right? Uh, yes. Uh, so they, I, I love Rhode Island. I don't know. One of those, those small it's, weird. States. It's Delaware. Okay. Yeah. Milton, Delaware. Um, Dogfish Head. Everybody knows they make a really good IPA. Uh, this is their seasonal IPA, Romantic Chemistry. And it's really good. Um, it's not as hoppy. doesn't have as much of a bite as it normally has. You know, just more kind of summer flavors and spices. Really good. Cool. Um, I will mention another one that I've had recently. Uh, we talked a lot about Ballast Point. Yep. Uh, and their Sculpin IPA from, yeah, from San Diego. They have the Grapefruit IPA, which you may have had, and the Habanero uh, Sculpin, which is really good. Um, they've got one out right now. They have a Dorado IPA. Now they have a Watermelon Dorado IPA. Very good uh, summer IPA. 10% though, so be careful. It, it'll, get, the, it'll get on you kind of quick. Yeah, out here in San Francisco, we have 21st Amendment Brewery that does the Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer. Yes. So that's a little bit, if you can find that, they do it in a can. That's you know probably in the 5% range. That's a lot more of a go out in the park and drink six of them beer. Don't drink Don't six Dorado Watermelons. Well, you can, just you know make sure you're not driving. <laughs> Or you have any other res- responsibilities going on that day? Yep. Don't go cut the lawn afterwards. You might lose a finger or a limb or something like that. But you know, if you got you get sitting in a hammock, you're laying in a hammock. Good beer. Man, drink six. Uh, over here, I've got the Deschutes Mirror Pond Pale Ale. It's kind of their flagship beer. They're up in Bend, Oregon, which is an amazing beer town. Everyone should go to Bend. It's beautiful. Um, it's right on the Deschutes River, um, in the Cascade Mountain Range. So. Mirror Pond Pale, pretty pretty standard West Coast style pale ale, not too hoppy. Um, love this beer. It was one of the first ones I drank when I moved to the Northwest. Uh, well, we will we will continue to drink beer and tell you guys about it. Uh, we should be back in probably a couple weeks. Um, and whether or not we tell you about it, we're, we'll continue to drink beer. That's that's certain. Yeah, hang your hat on that. Um, <laughs> but you know we're we're in the the depths of the off season here um baseball season's over we are largely focused on football coming up uh we'll probably take some time to reflect on maybe less newsworthy things a little bit more you know what's the state of play of clemson athletics of clemson football um, we've had a lot of chatter back and forth you know among the three of us about what's going on with the acc there's some conference realignment stuff happening the big 12 is finally you know growing up and getting a championship game so um, maybe but, we can. We then can talk Baylor, about it. Baylor is sinking ship right now, so that that hurts the credibility of that conference. Yeah, and something that I was curious about, I haven't read at all. Like, have any of the Baylor would-be commits or current guys on campus were they ever recruited by Clemson? I'm not, you know, you don't want to go in there and kind of like vultures, you know, attack that program, draw from them. But well, it's it's probably less for Clemson than it is for Chad Morse at SMU. I mean, this, I think this right. is a big opportunity for him. Um, to gain some traction in the state of Texas. You know, SMU has not been a fo- good football school for a while. They had a dismal year last year. Right. Um, but pulling for some recruits, I mean, I think it was like seven guys were trying to get out of their uh, their commitments to Baylor after all this went down, uh, among other guys who decommitted. 
Yeah, I mean, nice to see finally some modicum of justice going on for the victims there. But I think what this is ultimately going to, when you, you know, put a football lens on this, I I think this is just going to result in the resurgence of Texas, of UT. Yeah, but that may happen. That may have happened anyways. Um, I mean, Texas is Texas. You know, they're only going to be down for so long. Um, kind of like you only expect uh, Florida to be down for so long. Um, so, I mean, I think that's going to happen anyway. I think uh, who's coaching there? Kirby Smart now? Nope. No, 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 no. He's at Georgia. Um, Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong. Well, <laughs> CKS, white guy, not white guy. Anyway, anyway, Charlie Strong's your guy. I mean, um, they beat Oklahoma last year, they're on the rise. I just think um, this is going to continue to cement their ability to get their kind of player, um, their kind of athlete. I don't know how much overlap there was with Art Bryles' program, but I just think it is inevitable. All roads are leading to Texas being good again, um, but we'll see. How did I come up with Kirby Smart? I don't know. doesn't even just, make sense. Yeah. There's probably no connection at all, <laughs> but it's fine. This romantic Have chemistry is 7.2%. <laughs> yes. Nice. <laughs> Uh, well, that's that is excuse. that's it. Uh, we will catch you guys later. Have a great start to your June and go Tigers.